Chapter Seventeen, Jake. Where'd that dead horse come from? Don't reckon I know, Tom. It's Sergeant, you clodhopper. How many times I got to tell you that? He must belong to one of the officers. He's a beauty, he is. The horse was me. I'd been standing outside the church as Axe and Tobias raced to catch Visser Four. Obviously, they'd failed because I was no longer outside the church. Now I was standing in the middle of a press of men, all shuffling more or less forward. Forward was toward the muddy bank of a river. It was dark, night, cold. The horse morph had been bred for northern European winters, so it wasn't suffering too much. That didn't change the fact that it was cold. The sky was dark, the kind of dark you don't see in a world filled with street lamps and porch lights. Clouds hid the moon and stars. So dark that I could barely see the two or three guys closest to me. I saw the river only because the bank was outlined in white. Ice floes were crunching into the shore. I heard the sound of wood on wood, a hollow, random sound. Boats bobbing together in the river current. The ground had probably been snow covered, but now it was mud churned by hundreds, possibly thousands, of feet. One thing was sure, at least, this was no longer France. The men around me spoke English. The accent was strange, kind of as if you had a bunch of country folks trying to speak with an English accent. Don't much favor the look of them trees over yonder, a man said. Whole troop of Hessians could be back up in there. If they's Hessians, I guess the general would know, another man answered. Sides, some of our boys is already across. Hessians, that word meant something to me. Something. What? I'd heard it before. I was sure of that. Maybe the guys around me were English or maybe American, but either way, I'd never heard of any war with Hessia, Hessland, whatever. Where were the others? Marco, Cassie, anyone? I called out in cautious thought speak. Someone get this here horse out of the way. A hand searched in the dark for my bridle. I didn't have one. I backed away, knocking a man down. I turned and shouldered my way through the men. Whoever had been trying to grab me must have lost interest. Rachel, Tobias, anyone hear me? No answer. Maybe they weren't near enough. Maybe they hadn't been dragged through time yet. Maybe they were no longer alive. Where was I? There was a murmur of anticipation from the men around me. General's coming. Guess we'll be getting along now. They say as we're late and the Hessians be waiting for us. There's a whole army of them in Trenton. I know. My sister's husband is from Trenton. Says them Hessians is bright tigers in a fight. What do you know about any tigers, Elias? You ain't never seen a tiger, have you? Shut your cake holes, you lot! An authoritative voice snapped. I stopped moving. Couldn't go any further for the men pressing in all around me, making a lane for the general. 
He walked by quickly, with half a dozen well-dressed men trailing him. I never would have recognized him. Not from any of the paintings I'd seen. Certainly not from his face as it appears on the $1 bill. But the men were whispering his name. Washington! He was a big guy. He wore a long, buff-colored coat over tight white pants that stopped below the knee. His hair was white. Of course, I thought. That's a wig. Rich people or important people all wore wigs in those days. These days. George Washington, father of the country. You know what that is? Marco asked. He sidled up beside me, out of nowhere. Jeez, Marco, how long have you been there? Got here about five minutes ago, dude. Heard you calling. Couldn't answer, though. I'd already demorphed. I turned my big horse head to aim one eye at him. Where'd you get the clothes? Not exactly clothes, Marco muttered. A blanket with a hole for the head. The boots are cool, though. Where did you find the boots? He shrugged. You'd think it changed the course of history much if George Washington was to lose his extra pair of boots? You stole George Washington's shoes? Hey, it's freezing, all right. Not all of us happen to be horses at the moment. I heard someone make a not-too-subtle remark about lunatics joining the ranks. Marco, stop talking to me. People are noticing. They think you're nuts. Marco fell silent. And then... Jake? Cassie? Rachel, is that you? Yeah, I'm in Almorph, flying above an army down by some river with some boats. Guys are carrying old-fashioned rifles. I know. Marco and I are down here in the middle of it. I'm the horse. Marco's the one wearing Washington's boots. No way. George Washington? Jake, tell her... No, Guido Washington. Marco would like me to pass along a sarcastic remark. I said, Wow, Washington, is this the Delaware? Is he crossing the Delaware? I guess so. I mean, I've heard Washington cross the Delaware, but I don't know what it means. The river is the Delaware. The Delaware River, Rachel said. I mean, come on, even I know that. Why is he crossing the Delaware? To get to the other side and see the chicken, Marco whispered. Is it just us? Rachel asked. I just got here like three minutes ago. I demorphed and morphed, and now I don't see Cassie or Axe or Tobias anywhere. Oh good, it's starting to rain, Marco complained. Rachel, don't waste time looking for the others. Look for Visser 4. Gotcha. From down by the water came raised voices. Someone not exactly yelling, but definitely mad. A low-key laugh seemed to travel through the army. General's giving him hell. What for? What for? Are you simple? We're late, that's what for. We're supposed to be across and march over to Trenton a four first light. Trenton. Hessians. Washington crossing the Delaware. Visser 4 is after Washington, I said. Yup, Marco agreed. We have to get out of here. I have to demorph. Rachel, find Washington. He must be the target. Stay on him. Whatever you do, protect George Washington. There's three words you never thought you'd say, Marco said with a low laugh. Chapter 18 Rachel 
Protect George Washington. Right. No problem. I was an owl. The army was loading into the boats. Not enough boats, from the look of it. They must have already pulled across the river once. There was a group of a couple hundred over there. What had started out as rain had quickly become sleet. The weather was miserable, and it was clear that the men on the ground thought so too. Many of them wore little more than rags. Rags were wrapped around their feet. They weren't quite as skanky as the French and English at Agincourt, but they were close. If they had fewer fleas and lice, it probably had to do with the fact that it was too cold for fleas to breed. I drifted above them, my wings coating up with sleet every time I stopped flopping them for too long. I kept Washington in sight. He had to be Viserfor's target, just like King Henry had been. It made sense. Viserfor's plan was to remove influential people from history. It was the obvious thing to do. No Washington? Maybe no United States. Maybe the revolution fails and everything changes. But why King Henry and Agincourt? What would have happened if Viserfor had managed to kill Henry? Doesn't matter, I muttered. Some English king was one thing. This was the father of our country. The first president of the United States. No one was going to take him down. But we could use help, I realized. Marco and Jake were trapped down in the mass of men. Jake still in horse morph. Although I saw Marco leading him away toward the woods, presumably to demorph. That was still just three of us. Where were... Ugh! I yelped in surprise. It was sheer accident that I happened to be looking when Cassie popped into existence about 50 yards down the riverbank, just beyond the range of the colonial soldiers. She was human. She must have been left in 1415 long enough to demorph. Cassie, I see you. I'm an owlmorph. Here's the deal. Washington is crossing the Delaware. And yes, I mean THE Washington. I saw her look up. Night is meaningless to an owl, even this night. I saw her mouth form the words, George Washington? She couldn't see me, of course. Yeah, George, National Daddy, that's me on the dollar bill with a city and a state named after me, Washington, I said. Drake figures Mr. Four is going to try and smoke him. They're getting ready to load up, I think. George, I mean. Yes, he's heading for a boat. Cassie made a sinuous motion with her hands. A swimming motion. Dolphin? Yeah, good idea. Cassie in the river. Yeah, that would help. Maybe. But Visser 4 could be beneath any of the hundred of hats I saw below me. All he needed was a musket and a clear shot. He could already be taking aim. Jake and Marco re-emerged from the trees. Both human. And somehow, Jake now had a blanket over his head and some rags wrapped around his feet. I didn't know how that had happened, but I guess if Marco could find a way to rip off Big George's extra boots... Still, they had to be cold as they plowed through the crowd of men, rushing to reach a boat. Jake? Rachel? Is anyone else here? Or am I the only one watching George freaking Washington climbing into a boat? Tobias, you recognized him? I demanded. Of course I recognized him. Tobias said. That's the man! Are you kidding? Is Axe with you? Yeah, the both of us popped up just now. We're across the river. I'm still in Orc Morph. Think maybe I'd better demorph. What's the deal? 
Drake and Marco, human, getting into a boat. Cassie, mid-morph a dolphin, about to get into the water. Me? I'm flying around enjoying the delightful weather. There are armed men over on this side. Axe interjected. I don't see them, Tobias said. Hork eyes, man. Those are good guys, I said. Guys have been going across for a while now. I don't think they have enough boats. Ah, Axe said. They seem to be very alert. I guess they would be. They're on their way to go kick butt in Trenton. Ah, Axe said again. But... He hesitated, as if something was bothering him. It's okay, Axe. It's a good thing they have guys over there already, I said, reassuring him. Nothing to worry about. Chapter 19 Marco We got into a boat. Turned out not to be all that hard. No one was all that anxious to climb on board for the trip across an icy, raging river in the middle of a sleet storm. Can't imagine why. Ah, yes, I muttered to Jake. The love boat takes a detour to hell. My feet are freezing, he answered, eyeballing my feet. My warm, dry feet. Too bad the big guy didn't have a third pair of boots. They wouldn't fit you, I said. Not your size. Uh-huh. There's a very famous painting of Washington crossing the Delaware. It shows George standing up in the middle of this boat, like one of the lifeboats from Titanic, and looking all determined and father of the country-ish. Two things wrong with that. One, the boats were low-sided, flat-bottomed, rocking, spinning, swamped, water-up-to-your-ankles, pieces of junk. Not that you could even feel your ankles. Unless you had boots on. There were too many wet, mad, depressed, shivering, scared men and boys packed into too few boats in the middle of a hurricane of sleet on a river that was a rush-hour expressway of giant chunks of ice. Sleet was piling up on my head. There was sleet on my shoulders. Sleet in my eyes. Sleet freezing into a crust of ice on my knees. Sleet on my bare fingers. Fingers numb. Numb till they would barely move, and you had to think about unbending them. On top of all this, the guys were not thinking so much about how they were on a mission to create a great democratic nation. They were mostly concerned with the fact that the sleet was getting down the barrels of their guns and into the flintlocks, and how wet gunpowder might as well be bisquick. That was the first thing wrong with the painting. The second thing was, if George had been a big enough idiot to want to stand up in the middle of all this, his men would have figured he was a lunatic and turned around and learned to enjoy crumpets. If you worked at it, you could not create a more miserable little boat trip. Guys rowing like mad, using poles to keep the icebergs from turning us into a bunch of badly dressed Leonardo DiCaprios. That's the guy, Jake said. He was looking toward the boat that rode the current a dozen or so feet away to our right. Or starboard, I guess. Washington's boat. I thought at first he meant he'd spotted Visor 4. But he was looking at Big George. You know, it's dumb, I guess. I'm not some big wave-the-flag guy, you know. But that man over there, huddled down in his coat while the ice crusted his hat, that was George Washington. It was hard to digest. I twisted my head, dislodging some of the slush. 
like Tobias said, the man, Jake said. Know him? Know us, maybe. Yeah, and Visser 4 could be in his boat right now. Jake nodded. Rachel's on it. Hey, we're almost there. Gee, I hate to see this pleasure cruise come to... A horizontal line of flame erupted, blinding in the darkness. Twenty? Thirty? Who knew how many ancient muskets? All firing at once. A disciplined volley. I couldn't see the damage done, but I could hear the cries. Turn back! Someone screamed. A second volley! Again, exploding powder drew that awful horizontal line. We're betrayed! Turn back! No! Forward! Our boat began to turn, but lost its way and simply wallowed as men lurched back and forth in panic. On the far shore, no longer so far, the ancient flintlock muskets opened fire again. Fingers squeezed on triggers. The hammer, with its chip of flint, slammed down against steel. The spark ignited the powder in the flashpan. It made a small coughing sound. Then, the main powder charge ignited. A ball of lead the size of a marble flew. But not one single gun. A mass of guns. All firing at once. Fifty. Sixty. A hundred explosions. A hundred balls. Flying. Singing through the air. Thunk. The man sitting in front of me fell back. His head dropped on my lap. Ah! I yelled. Thunk. An oar was blown in half. Thunk. A hole appeared in Jake's forehead. Hello, Phantomorphs, and thank you for listening to another episode of Audiomorphs, the Animorphs Auditory Experience. As always, this is your host, Daniel. Welcome back. Uh, we took a week off, but we're back now. Um, it feels like it's been longer than a week for me, but I've been doing a lot of stuff. Um, but I hope you all had, I hope the Americans that listen had... A nice holiday break, and I hope that uh, everyone else had a nice week, I guess. Um, I also want to apologize if my voice sounded a little weird in this week's episode. I think I was, (laughs) I was like a little bit sick and it affected my throat just slightly. I think it's okay. Other, if it was like super, uh, if I had felt it was super noticeable, I would have re-recorded it. But I'm also like... I don't know, I messed up my sleep schedule um, over Thanksgiving, and so I'm, like, very tired right now and didn't want to re-record it, but also I think it sounded okay at the end of the day. Um, but if you were like, why does he sound kind of weird? That's why. Um, but other than that, I got some uh, I got some messages to read. So these all came in through the Gmail. That's audiomorphcast at gmail.com. First one is from uh, Faith, who writes, uh, Hey, Daniel. I just found your podcast in September. I have been binge listening, so I'm nearly caught up. Some creators I follow on TikTok were talking about Animorphs, and I saw a comment mentioned Audiomorphs. So I googled, and here we are. Your SEO is working. Great to know that, because I don't know anything about manipulating SEO, and I don't want to learn. <laughs> um, uh, sorry, Faith follows up with um, the rest of the Faith's messages. I have some notes, and this is where it gets a little funny. Uh, first off is a song suggestion, Stadium Love by Metric. Uh, video is also worth watching in an Animorphs context. I'll throw that on the list. Um, if you, if anyone uh, has suggestions they think uh, work well as intro songs, please, you know, send them my way. I have a, a notepad doc um, with just them. And then I'll like, 
when I start a new book, I'll just kind of go through and try to listen to a few uh, and see if any kind of fit my vague memories of of um, what the book's tone is. <laughs> um, I don't try that hard in, in matching the songs, but um, the human mind is amazing at at making connections. So uh, I, I'm hoping it works. Anyway, I'll I'll listen to that for sure. Um, Two, and this is where, uh, two, my only complaint about Kay Applegate's writing is a distinct lack of Marco Polo jokes, so many missed opportunities. Um, true, yeah, you'd think there'd be more. Um, I also think that there's a distinct lack of It's Morphing Time jokes from Marco, but um, Saban, who owns Power Rangers, is famously, famously an extremely litigious man, so I'm assuming that's why they're not in here. I'm assuming that Scholastic uh, tried um, and, and couldn't get it. Uh, with with a reasonable like cost, or else uh, just didn't want to risk the the potential lawsuit. Um, but okay, here's here's where things get a little silly. So then Faith says, um, "My only complaint about your reading, please have Google teach you how to pronounce puny." Learned that one on Twitter. Someone called me out there. Omnip. Uh, uh, wow. <laughs> Omnipotent, uh, which is I probably did pronounce that wrong um, at some point. Uh, I know I know how that one's pronounced. I just sometimes slip up because uh, if you haven't figured it out yet, I was much more of a reader than a speaker when I was a kid. And there are quite a few English words that um, I've wired in my brain incorrectly because English is a silly language. Uh, and then impotent, which I also probably uh, mispronounced. But in my defense, um, sorry, I just pronounced it wrong there. It's impotent, not impotent. And that one annoys me because uh, potent is an English word, uh, and the M modifier is like an English uh, prefix, uh, like impossible, a possible something that's not possible is impossible, right? So, like in my head, impotent works, and I think that makes sense, but it's actually pronounced impotent, and that's dumb. Um, but fair enough, you caught me. Uh, I have pronounced those uh, incorrectly. And puny was puny was bad for me. I legitimately thought it was pronounced punny this whole time. Um, and I don't know why my brain never picked that up. But I will I will defend, I think, I think impotent should be pronounced impotent. I think that's more correct. But I also understand that's not how anyone else says it. <laughs> um, and then finally, she writes, uh, your use of sound effects is phenomenal. I appreciate the sound effects so much. I found what you did with the Iscor especially clever. Glad that worked. And your Elemist voice has vastly improved. Glad you think that as well. I know my early Elemist, I, I really did get lost in it. I was just like, oh, look at all these cool effects I found on YouTube. Let me let me learn how to use them. And then I put them all together. It was a mess. I, I can acknowledge that. Um, and then um, thank you so much for creating this podcast. I finally get to read the whole series. And you are doing a fantastic job. Thank you so much for writing in, Faith. Um, I'm sorry that I've pronounced so many words incorrectly. <laughs> I will try better in the future. Um, especially on Puny. Uh, if I if I mispronounce impotent again, um, I'm sorry. It might it might happen because again, oh English language is the English language is very silly. That's all I have to say about that. Thank you so much for writing in. Um, I also have a message from Chris who writes in saying, "Just discovered your podcast in a nostalgia induced episode recently, uh, and I just wanted to say thank you for doing this." I had forgotten so much from the series and made me realize how much I had forgotten of my childhood when I first read them. So it's been a lovely emotional ride, as well as a comfort to see. So from the bottom of my, bottom of my heart, thank you. 
Thank you, uh, Chris, for listening and indulging in my um, dumb little uh, vanity project here. I'm glad that it's uh, helped you kind of reconnect with some nostalgic memories of your childhood. Um, I'm not sure quite what you mean by uh, a nostalgia-induced episode. Oh, I guess, like, um, one has an episode, right? Maybe that's what he meant. And he's like, let me search and see if uh, anyone's made Animorphs bootleg audiobooks and found me. Um, He also recommended me a song, Monster, parentheses, Under My Bed by Call Me Charisma. Uh, Oh, Charisma spelled with a K. Okay, I read that earlier before I started recording, and I didn't put together that that was Charisma. I was just like, oh, some sort of K name. That's fine. Um, but, uh, and then ends. Anyway, I'll just want to thank you again. None of my friends understand. I've been loving coming back to this universe and realizing so many things I never realized as a kid. Yeah, that is the, um, that was as well for me when I uh, first revisited this series as an adult. A real joy. Um, there's a lot as a kid that sort of whoop, flew over my head. Um, and, and it's been a real pleasure to, to reconnect. Uh, so thank you for writing in, Chris. I'm glad you're enjoying it. One more message. This is from uh, Timothy, who writes, Hey, it's Tim again. I emailed a while back. I still haven't caught up currently. I'm on episode 263. But wow, it's so cool seeing the growth. You had guest voices, sound effects, and loads more people writing in, as well as longtime listeners. I'm a big fan of Tank. Who isn't? Love that guy. Uh, love to see uh, a tractor in the Australian farmland. That's, that's just fun. You know, that delights me. Hope you're doing well, Tank, if you're listening still. Um, I'm really glad you've, uh, you stuck with it. Hopefully I don't catch up too fast. I listen to the podcast far too much, uh, than the, like, crying laughing emoji. This was not a surprise to me, but you may like hearing. Spotify informed me I listened to over 6,000 minutes. Anyway, once again, thank you so much for doing this. It's been great reliving my childhood, and I forgot more about the series than I thought, so some of it I'm reliving anew. I've attached the pic of my Spotify wrapped for you. And he has attached proof that he is within the top 6% of uh, Audiomorphs listeners, which is pretty cool. Also, I, you know, uh, intellectually, I understand that I've recorded a lot of many, many minutes of this podcast slash audiobook series. Um, it is weird to see that uh, put together and realize I have over 6,000 minutes of audio of my voice reading this. That's, wow. Uh, life sure is crazy, huh? <laughs> But very cool, um, awesome that that you're in, that I ended up on your raft. I hadn't thought about the fact that now that Spotify has podcasts, um, I could be me, Daniel, could be on your Spotify raft. That's wild. Uh, thank you so much for writing in. If you'd like to write in like any of those lovely people, you can do that through the aforementioned email. That's audiomorphscast at gmail.com. We also have a Tumblr. That's audiomorphscast.tumblr.com, uh, and I have a website. That's theapodcalypse.com. The Apocalypse, like Apocalypse, but with a D in the middle. You can also tweet at me on Twitter, um, at Audiomorphs, and that's where you should check. If I'm ever late uploading, uh, I will try to have a reason up there. Uh, other than that, I don't think I have uh, any any other announcements or news or anything like that. Um, I'm still trying to fix my sleep schedule, but I'm also unemployed currently, so it should all balance out at the end. Um... So until next time, uh, we'll, we're going to get back to their uh, time-traveling adventures, and I'll, I'll see you all then, next week. My name is Daniel, and I believe one day the Andalites will come. Until then, we fight. We fight.